0: presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are
1: located at the intersection of Warren and Elter and welcome you to visit us in person or
0: online at gracepointlakewood.com That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com Listen to podcasts of sermons
1: from our pastor Mike Bartolone and various guest pastors.
0: You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome.:
1: as I was preparing my thoughts for a sermon today. I was thinking about all of you, because I do pray for you, and I was thinking about you. And One of my favorite things to do with my wife, besides just enjoy her companionship, is eat. We love eating together. We enjoy it. And the Lord always says, come to the table, right? right?
2: So So I I I titled titled my message, A Five-Course Sunday meal. Meal. Five course Sunday
1: meal. First course is appetizer. How many like appetizers? What's your favorite? Give me a thought.
2: Say it out loud.
1: Mush, huh? Mushrooms, blooming onion. Anybody else? Huh? Escargot, snail, calamari. Anything else? Huh? Wingdings,
0: potato skins. Okay.
1: How
2: about mozzarella sticks? That's what I
0: you go with grandkids, that's all only one is mozzarella sticks. And also that's one of the,
1: how about potato skins Was anything else? Wings. What's that?
2: Raw oysters. How about mussels? How about shrimp cocktail?
1: And the second the second one in your five course
2: Sunday meal is soup.
1: How many like uh, tomato bisque? How many like lobster bisque? We had lobster bisque last night at Pickle Bills in Fairport. Huh? You didn't like it? Oh, we want to Pickle Bills we went to uh, Brennan's uh, Fish House
2: next door.
0: How about matzo ball?
1: Joe's Deli, you, you can't get, the, that's the best matzo ball in the area. Unless you, Unless you come, come to Marie's house. She makes it, too. And Marie's
2: house, once we, she made, I don't know, a whole bunch of matzo balls, and we ran out
1: all week. We ate it, my son and myself. And we had company coming over for the weekend, and we prayed over the pot and so that it would multiply. We'd have more matzo balls. So when company came over and we served it, it was full. Never-ending matzo balls were flying out of the pan. <laughs> it's the truth
0: salad.
1: How about salad? I mean, like chopped salad. How about oriental salad? Oriental salad. Any other thoughts? How about a strawberry walnut salad? Did you ever have that over there at Outback? Strawberry walnut? How about for your entree?
2: What's your favorite entree? Your favorite. Not your favorite. Chicken and steak.
1: New York strip steak. Anything else? Huh? Prime rib. I like prime rib.
2: Rib eye steak. That's my wife's favorite.
1: My favorite is salmon. That's my favorite. Anybody else? Jack, you got a
2: favorite? Oh, tilapia. Okay. That's yours. Okay, and the final one is desserts.
1: Cheesecake, that's what I put down, number one. How about number
2: two? Ice cream, yes. Ice cream, we all scream for ice cream. How about carrot
1: cake? How many you like carrot cake? Chocolate cake. How about the chocolate mousse? How about cream boulet? Key lime pie. <laughs> well, that was fun.
2: Good way to start a sermon, huh? Hi, <laughs> huh? that's okay. You can be hungry. Just learn, learn to the discipline, discipline that little thing down that stomach.
1: Tell you, have got, got to wait a couple more minutes here before we go. we got, got that much, much longer. We'll be all there. But, you, but, you know, know, today, as, as I, was thinking thinking that, I was thinking about that, I was thinking about you know the, the times we live in. And, you know, the Scripture says these times in a lot of ways are perilous times. Uh, but so I think the world is full of hurting people today. That's what, I, that's what I observe. That's what I see. And the need to free ourselves from the incredible pains inflicted by life as it is escalating to desperate proportions.
2: See, society abounds with the evidence,
1: with the increase in substance abuse, the quest for spiritual enlightenment, the ever-growing industry of prescription drugs. This is our world. This is where we live. Violence at home in schools and the increasing inability to establish meaningful relationships. In your Bible in Matthew 24, if you'll turn there with me. Matthew 24. We know the end is not yet because I preached that two weeks in a row, right? Out of Matthew 24. But in Matthew 24, verse 12. I don't know if Mike's got Oh, he's got it up there for you. All right. Thanks, man. Matthew 24, verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, you can't say you don't believe that. It's all around us today. Amen? The love of many will grow cold. As As mankind treats one another in destructive, self-centered ways we create emotional wounds that make people afraid, fear. People are fearful today. Yes, all you have to do is go outside and walk, walk places and see things. And unless we feel love, the more pain we inflict upon each other, thus the ever-growing cycle continues and pain abounds. Most people in our world today never acquire the tools necessary for resolving personal hurt. They don't know how to do it. And as a result, their hurt grows into bitterness. Their hurt can grow into sorrow and depression and eventually loss of physical health. And that's what we're seeing. It's evident all around us. Our future becomes controlled by a past that has locked us into an unending cycle of more hurt and disappointment. Governments. We have a government that wants you to, it wants wants to be in control of your life. Governments and idealistic religious leaders vainly offer us a utopia promise where we can avoid pain by forcing society to follow the right rules. I mean I, I'm still amazed at the last election. I mean, I'm amazed. All the people that voted for that, you know, that that, that candidate who said he was gonna pay off all of their college loans said he's not gonna do it anymore. Changed his mind. Because he got the votes. That's all he was after was the votes. you got to understand, after a few years being on the earth like I have been 70 years, you start finding out that politicians just want to vote. And they'll say whatever they have to say to get the vote, even if they tell you a lie. But governments and idealistic religions, leaders vainly offer people a utopia promise where you can avoid pain by forcing society to follow certain rules. You have drugs today. Pop psychology offers us escapism mentality, and that is a little more than denial. And then you have military groups that have tried to persuade us that violence can stop violence, which we know that doesn't work, amen? And sadly, even the church offers only a victim's mentality that has us forgiving and re-forgiving our offenders, yet never finding true freedom from the pain. One of the things in life over which we have no control is is constant barrage of offense. If you go with me to Luke 17, verse 1. Luke 17, verse 1. I'll get there as soon as I can get there with the wind blowing in my Bible. It says then he said then he said to his disciples it is impossible that no offenses should come but woe to him through whom they do come It's impossible but that offenses will come If he said there's no way around it trust me there's no way around it we have no control over the, over the fact that pain will come, but we do have complete control over that, over that pain's ability to turn into suffering by the way we live, by the way we think, by how we manage our lives and how we think in our lives. We can end the cycle of hurt with incredible ease. We can avoid bitterness and the need for vengeance, and we can be free ourselves from the pain of the past because we have the power to change our future. In the Scripture, Jesus does not say very much about the person who offends us. I don't know about you, but I get offended a lot in this world. Just drive down the street. You know, you'll be driving down on the right side and somebody will turn right in front of you from the left side. You know, I get offended by that. He's not even in my lane. You know, I get offended when I go to the grocery store. And I get in a line that says seven items or less, and the guy in front of me has 35 items. Can't count. <laughs> Instead, Jesus emphasizes that we are to watch out when offenses come. When offenses come, we are at far greater risk than the person who committed the offense. The cop an attitude. To get in the wrong spirit, to have a bad attitude. It is true that offenders' crime is clear and blatant, and is often hard to justify. But it's easy for us to justify all manner of self-destructive behavior simply by the fact that we have been offended. You want to you want to see people messed up? You're you're looking at people that are offended. They're rejected. They're dealing with that. You deal with that on if you're in a workplace, you deal with that a lot. Offense. It's a snare. John Bevere wrote a book on it called The Bait of Satan. The whole book is about offense, taking the bait from the devil. But nevertheless, even though we are victims, we are still subject to the same life experiences. The rules for peace and happiness do not change simply because we can now justify unacceptable behavior. Vengeance, however, is powerful and deceptive. In fact, it's so powerful that God said he was the only one with the right to apply it. This is what he said in Romans 12.19. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Romans 12.19. Why? Because vengeance is punishment and retaliation. The determination to punish belongs solely to the one who has the right to judge. Judgment belongs only to God. As new creations in Christ Jesus with a new nature, we should be free from fear. You want to know where fear comes from? Judgment. When you're judging others, you're releasing fear not only to them but into yourself. Our self-worth should be established in our new identity in Jesus As sons and daughters of God, we should trust His Word. When He says, Vengeance is mine, leave it in His hands. Pray for those people that offend you, you know. As soon as that person comes around my car and turns right in front of me and goes into the other lane, I start speaking in tongues. I start praying. Praying that they're going to be in church next Sunday. Amen? Some preacher's going to tell them about the good news of Jesus. But we should be free from the need to judge. We should return to the place of experiencing life as observers. Free from the need to act as a ruler. In Matthew chapter 7, let's go there, Matthew 7. Let's see what Jesus says here. Matthew 7. I think it's verse 15. Let me get there. Matthew 7. There it is. Come to me. Verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets. Must mean there's false prophets out there today. Huh? Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their... What? Fruits. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Amen? And so this application, this, these scriptures here, this application applies to everyone across the board. We have only one way of knowing if people are good or bad, by their fruit. Fruit is the only thing that is observable on a tree. I mean, when you can't see the roots, you can't see the sap flowing through the branches, but you can see the fruit. And fruit is something that grows over time. It's not a single event or a mistake or even a current action. Our fruit is our track record. We are likely to, What we are likely to do in the future we have done consistently in the past will be evidence in the fruit. Because our track record is all anyone knows about us. But knowing our track record, however, does not give anyone, listen to me, does not give anyone the right to make a judgment about our motives in any given situation. And neither are we, because we're observers. We're not judges. Say, I'm an observer, not a judge. (laughs) And because of God's grace, let us commit to becoming observers. Rather than judges. A friend of mine wrote this. He says, you and I have the right to judge only if we are smarter than God Himself. Anybody here smarter than God Himself? We have no judges in the room then. See, God's Word is full of wisdom about how to relate to people. How to develop trust. Whom to depend on and whom not to depend on. It says in Proverbs 3, five, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. Which means, why, why, does, why do you think that was written that way? Because that's what we do. We try to figure things out in our own mind and don't give any thought to asking God what He thinks. Another, another thing about trust is Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. We have a lot of people today that are listening to ungodly counsel in our world. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits, nor sits, sits in the seat of the scornful. Because too many today trust in themselves. and all comes back to one thing, fear. When you trust in yourself, all you could do is fear. See, our fears tend to drive us to trust our judgment rather than God. And our attempts to protect ourselves from future pain, which we fear, we judge. But the result of judgment is always the same. More pain. More pain. And any time we justify our actions by judgment, good or bad, It is no longer love. We have love because love is the product of our relationship with God. It is is His character infusing our character. It is the grace of God making us able to act like God-like character and compassion. Learning to observe and not judge has saved me from a lot of pain. And a lot of conflict. Because when we judge... We are no longer motivated by our hearts or the wisdom of God's Word, the voice of God in our hearts or the love of God in our hearts. Instead, we are led by our own attempts to be G-O-D, small g, gods of our own world. And this limits us to the wisdom of our judgments. But being free from judgment frees you to be the Son of God. You know the greatest sin for all of mankind? Can I give it to you? not knowing that you're a son. Sonship. If you know you're a son, it's, that's all that matters. Because it means everything in your relationship with God. Being free from judgment frees you from the torment of finding fault. Just think how lovely world, the world would be if we just quit finding fault in others. Doesn't it say in Ephesians 4.29, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth except for the use of edification? How many many of that can do some... We can do some work just with that one Scripture. I, I remember years ago reading a book by Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle said all he did with that one Scripture, Ephesians 4.29, was focus and concentrate on that one Scripture for a whole year. He said it changed his life because He didn't let any communication come out of His mouth except for the use of edification or comfort for other people. Free from, being free from judgment frees you from the necessity to justify yourself, and it allows your yes to be yes and your no to be no. James chapter 5, verse 12 says, Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Our call is to follow Jesus. And this is a call to life that is focused on Him. What is He doing? What is Jesus doing? And where is He going? Jesus is to become the center of our lives. His love, acceptance, and stability should make us the most confident, stable people in the world. Listen to what Jesus said in this verse. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, He says, Come to Me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus in the Scriptures promises us That if we would yoke up with Him, we would have a life that is easy and light. How many want to yoke up with Jesus? (laughs) What do you think when you think of yoke? Eggs, yeah, I know. (laughs) You guys are still thinking about that five-course meal. (laughs) To yoke up requires sensitivity. It means we have to be sensitive and responsive to how Jesus is moving. If our attention is on our problems or on the problems of others, we will not be aware of how He desires to move in our own life because we will be focused on them. When He is not the focus, He is no longer the influence. And at that point, we do not move with Him. Instead, we often move against Him. And when we attempt to fix people, we become the main obstacle God is working in their lives despite all that God is doing to get us to see ourselves as new creations made righteous by the blood of Jesus, free from the fear of wrath and judgment, we insist on keeping people focused on things. We are actually asking people to give us the place in their life that belongs only to God. Boy, I wish we can get there. See, our lives are influenced by what we focus our attention on. And as we renew our minds to the truth of what God says about us, we will not focus on the splinter in another's eyes. Instead, we'll be removing the board in our own lives. Matthew 7, 3-5 in the Living Bible says, And why worry about the speck in the eye of your brother when you have a board in your own Shouldn't you say, friend, let me help you get the speck out of your eye when you can't even see because of the board in your own? Can you picture that? I wish I had a big picture of a guy with a board. I've seen that on somewhere. Somebody put up a, where he had a board coming out of his eye. First get rid of the board. Then you could see to help your brother. With that in mind, focus on Jesus, not the fault of others. Finding fault is not a work of the Holy Spirit. It's neither inspired by God nor led by God. Finding fault is the product of fear. How low self-worth and anger. It's a vain attempt to end pain by controlling and forcing others to change. Even when change truly is needed, transformation doesn't happen by focusing on what is wrong. It never does. God wants us to know and continually remember, that the sin problem was settled by the finished work of Jesus. He also wants us to know that through faith in the finished work, we can be empowered in God's righteousness to be all who God says we are. If you haven't been wondering or thinking about where we're at in the five course, we're going into dessert right now. This is where you eat your cheesecake, okay? Or your favorite But biblically speaking, the proper way to see people transformed into godly transformation is to display love. God's truth to them in love so that in no way it lowers their self-worth. See, our lives need to be models of unfailing love, allowing others to see in us the goodness of God, the forbearance of God through us, and in this kind of healthy environment, the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts and draw them to God. Let me give you another Scripture. Psalm 34, verse 5. Verse 5 says, They looked to Him and were radiant. They looked to Him and they were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This psalm presents the concept, We become, we become what we behold. What are we beholding? What are we looking at? Are we looking at the problems of others? Or are we looking at Jesus? Is our focus on Him? Or is it on all the problems all around us in the world? We have to stay focused. Amen? And as we magnify the Lord, He becomes bigger in our hearts and minds by focusing our attention on Him. The Scriptures teach that in His presence, we are transformed. Let me go to this Scripture. First John, that's in the back, uh little John on the Ponderosa. Okay. That's just my little term. First John chapter three, verses one, two, and three. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us. They don't know us. They can even make comments about us on channels or media, or whatever they want. They don't know us. They don't know who we are. They don't know what we do. Amen? Because it did not know Him. they, They did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed, but we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. As He is in the world, so are we. Amen? And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. And so the Bible teaches us that seeing Jesus as He is will be the power that transforms us as we're focused on Him. It will transform us. And this transformation happens on a daily basis and will cultivate in a complete change when He returns. And whatever we hold in our mental focus for extended periods of time draws us and ultimately conforms us into its image. Conforming to His image as His true sons and daughters is what He wants. Not conforming to the world. Amen? Romans 12. You can read about that. And accepting this reality of God's love for us delivers us from the need to find fault with others our sense of security then becomes the product of our relationships with God in my heart. And then by experience, the empowerment of love and acceptance, we will be more apt to model that love to others. I'm almost done, Luke. Remember, we're in dessert. We're getting ready to wipe our face and pay the bill and tip 30%. Yeah, why not? Let's blow their minds. When we point people to God in their hearts, instead of pointing to their behavior, we can then just love them. I tell you, love people. I had an opportunity this week to go someplace where I don't usually go. My brother gave me a, an assignment to do. I went to two Dave stores, one in Severance, one in Cedar Hill. I walked into that back room to deliver some pallets of produce. And some guy was sitting there at a table, and I said to him, I want your job. He looked at me. He smiled. I said, I want your job. I said, you've got the job of all jobs, just to sit there and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing in the back room. That was his job. I said, I want your job. And I started talking to a whole bunch of people. I just focused on loving each one of them. I wasn't looking for faults in them. I wasn't looking for bad behavior. I was just looking at ways I could bless them with words of love, or words of hope, or words of just good news. And boy, they're—I mean, when I like when I was walking out of there, they wanted to help me. They—they—they they, they were like my best friend. Especially the guy who I said that was sitting at the table. I want your job. He said, "Let me help you, sir. Let me help you with this. Let me help." And he's helped me with everything. His whole countenance changed because. I focused on loving Him. On blessing Him. I wasn't going after anything else but to bless Him. See, Jesus came to set us free. Free from sin. Free free from self. Free from the law. Free from the penalty of sin and free from the power of judgment. And following Him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly is the safest life in the world. Just follow Him. It has the greatest peace. It has the emotional freedom that we trust Him enough to apply His truth to our lives. I could ask you one question before I stop. Are you still hungry?
2: <laughs> I'll
1: see you next week with some more food.
0: Okay? Yes, I love that cookie. Or yes, I love that child. <laughs> There's a huge difference because the love in the kingdom is so different from the earthly realm. The love, the love of the kingdom, Agape love, is so unconditional. You know, we have a Uh, summer camp here with older children and sometimes they can misbehave sometimes they can do this
2: just make wrong choices
0: but like my husband said if you judge them, if you find their fault, we all have them (laughs) it doesn't change but you, when you love them through what they've just done and show them there's a better way. It doesn't matter what you've done, good or bad, I love you no matter what. I always tell them that. This will never change my love for you. Just like Jesus. No matter if you've blown it, it will never change his love for you because that fruit of the Spirit, when you are uh, abiding and attached
2: to that tree of life,
0: it will never go back. All we're to do is lead that child positively to the right way. You know what? We could have handled that differently. I know he upsets you. But how could we have handled that differently? Yeah. Yep, you hit you hit him you hit him could mad. but how could we have handled that differently so that you're not in trouble? You will tell the teacher and the teacher will fight for you and he, that teacher will bring reconciliation to you and you don't have to take any repercussion for making the wrong decision and showing them and teaching them and leading them the right way instead of telling them how bad they are. They'll they'll surely lose their joy. They already know they've blown it, right? But in the kingdom of God, you'll know it if you're walking and abiding, because you will have love. You will have joy. I love the peace of God, because that's part of his kingdom. That's, That's above the lying realm. We're in a different kingdom. We don't fit here on this earth. Have you noticed? <laughs> We're from a different kingdom, and our kingdom rules by a king who is filled with love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience. All those things are the kingdom in the kingdom of God. And when you're when you're below the line in the earthly realm, and you're getting where you feel you lost your joy, guess what? Just come up a little higher. Get seated in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Find rest. And I'll tell you what, I can give you anything, but I'm not going to give you or give away my peace that I have found in Christ. To me, that is the most incredible gift to be able to walk in peace and follow after peace. You know, it's best not to make a decision unless you have peace. If you're unsure, don't go for it. Follow after peace because then you're in His kingdom and you're going to do His will because He is the Prince of Peace. Amen? He is the lover of love. He he loves so unconditionally. His agape love is so different from the worldly love. Amen? He doesn't love you if you're good today. He loves you no matter what. And if we can take hold of the love the Father has for us as his kids, our whole lives will be transformed. Because, beloved, remember, we belong to the King. And we belong in His kingdom rule. Not in this world's rule, but in His kingdom rule. And I'll tell you what, it will save you from a lot of aggravation, a lot of stress of what's going on today.
2: Make sure
0: you're above the line in kingdom reality and if you see that it's hate and not love you know it's the wrong kingdom it's the kingdom of darkness we are children of the light amen he's yes and amen the world no (laughs) death everything's no negative false finding but that's not the kingdom of God Remember what kingdom you're from.
2: we week I offered you this book.
1: Some of you took it You didn't
2: get one. There's, I still have 20 more here. They're free.
1: Free book. I just opened it up when Marie was teaching. It says you can't preach this gospel and control people at the same time. Chapter 8. You can't preach this gospel and take all the credit anymore you can't preach this gospel and force people to give or scare people into attending church anymore. He says God is not looking to glorify pastors or denominations or non-denominations. God is looking to glorify His Son. When Jesus is glorified, everyone is edified when man is glorified, people are brought low and it creates unhealthy environments. It's all confirmed.
2: Everything I preach is in here. I even use this book. (laughs) I use his book. The Word of God.
1: Amen. If you like this book, before you leave, come and see me.
0: God bless. Have a great week.